everybody. Welcome to uh, Chris's Chat and Babble. Today I've got a top guest, uh, Mr. Paul Brown. Some of you may or may not know Paul. Um, in fact, Paul's one of the people I've known for the longest. First spoke to Paul in 2005, I believe it was, um, when he was a contractor working for us at SPL. Um, and I think Paul's been on about his sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth contract working for me. Um, recently so uh, yeah it's a big a big welcome to paul um so mr brown i mean I, I suppose big news is is that is that you've almost reached retirement although you know from from what you're talking about you might want to get back to work because it sounds like your wife's got plenty of tasks for you but um how how are things with you yeah, it's a bit, bit bit like that trying to um wind wind down but still um, plenty of things to be done <laughs> Good. So keeping yourself busy. So uh, yeah, we might we might touch upon some of that stuff a bit later on. So Paul, a couple of questions I've got for you. What what got you into the world of of, of utilities and and CCNB, and what kept you in that for that for that period of time? Certainly, you know, the last twenty years. Well, originally I was working for the uh, Australian Bureau of Statistics, um, and they used uh, Atabas Natural, which was um, part of the software stack that the forerunners for um, CCMV and Codaptix is, which was CIS Plus. Um, and um, interestingly enough, the, the Atabas Natural was actually sold to the Australian Bureau of Statistics actually by SPL as the Australian distributor of the software AG products. Um, and then I first worked for SPL in Melbourne on the CIS Plus system before it became Cordaptics and then CCMB. Yeah, that's kind of incredible, is it? I've, I've forgotten all about the Adabas Natural side. You know, I was thinking Cobol's when it all started, but of course, yeah, it's 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 Adabas Natural Cobol, um, and then all the way all the way through. So. Have you got all the way through to, to 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 Groovy as well? You know, we had we had you know Cobalt, Java, Groovy. Yeah, no, it had come in the um, the versions of um, CCMB or yeah, the utility framework basically on the most recent projects. So, do you think there's a version of CCMB you haven't worked on then? <laughs> Well, uh, probably if Oracle have uh, released anything more recently, but I think the very first version I had was, uh, well, of the, the GUI uh, face uh, was uh, Cordaptix 1.3.5, I think was the first version I worked on. Wow. Wow. Yeah, there we are. I'll write, I'll, I'll, I'll write that down. So uh, there we are. I didn't. I didn't know work version one point three point five was 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 the first one. So that came after CIS Plus, did it? Yeah, I'm not too sure whether it was the actual first one, but it was the first one I worked on. <laughs> <laughs> so, how have you seen that the industry's changed over all that time, Paul? Because I mean, you know, it's quite a it's quite a long time to be involved in it. What 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 are the big changes you've seen? Yeah, I think is that obviously with the product itself from. You know, it, it's a, it's a product that's actually built, obviously, for you know 
for the desktop, but it's also built for web and integration as well, which was actually quite good. But I think some of the, the biggest challenges have been the fact that you had, you know, at one stage, you know, a, a single product like CCMB, and then you had the metadata management, and then it was two pro- that was one product, then two products, then one product, and it's the stack has actually become much more complicated, you know, um, and that's probably one of the biggest challenges at the moment because you've got, you know, all the customer service type applications and all the integration work that goes with it. So the, I think it's the, the complication um, of the projects themselves with all the different products that are being integrated to give a, a solution to the customer. surely that's where someone like Oracle comes into their own, isn't it? Because they're able to give all those different complexities in there. Um, so would you say that, that people's job now is to understand those complexities? Yes, because you would have had, in the early days, people would have actually probably just had uh, the CCMB, but now it's, it's, it's a myriad of products. It's just a big stack that's actually being sold to the customer, um, which has probably changed the dynamics of the, the projects and the deliverables and, and how it's actually managed because there is replication of functionality, you know, in the products. And, you know, it's trying to work out, okay, if we're going to get the the best solution what functionality in those products do we actually use and then how we do the integrations between those products and i think that's the that's the challenge and you know the first thing they have to decide is you know where which of the products is the master for what data it's funny that you mentioned data because as you said your your career started off in data um, and in some ways, it's, it's sort of coming, you know, still within that. I mean, we're seeing a lot of this mention now about big data and people going into the sort of, you know, the data analytics of it. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of kind of interesting that it's all all revolving around that. What what would you say has has changed the most in 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 your career then? I think it's uh, you said a lot of the work is, I did. is part of it. Yeah, I think it's you know it's it's changed not only with the software but the actual the implementation of the you know of the the product itself in terms of the back end and the databases and integration those sorts of things have actually changed you know the way that when originally we had to install CCMB as you know if the customer wanted you know several instances of it they had to be you know you had to install the several instances of it. And then, you know, as, you know, technology improved, then we could actually have, you know, managed servers, essentially really only one or two installations and had multiple managed servers across the domain um, and then build in redundancy. So the product became more sophisticated in its implementation as well. And then also 
the way that the uh, redundancy was built into the databases as well. So it's not only the, the business and the functional aspects of the product, but it's the technical implementation of the product as well. And then the way that the product's now able to integrate with uh, APIs to um, other uh, functions. And you'll see quite a lot of implementations of various products now using microservices and APIs and things like that to to give a solution to um, the customer. So do you see the cloud as being the best direction that this is going in? Because I guess I guess a lot of that now doesn't need to be managed. What 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 do you see the pluses and minuses on that side? Well, I think you said from a customer's point of view, and I guess you see, you know, customers basically flipping and flopping from one to another to basically say, you know, well, you know, do we do we have our own IT section or do we actually have it managed? You know, are we are we in the IT business or are we just in the utility business? And basically, farm the hosting and the management of the software onto the cloud um, and. Probably, I would suggest is that for many of the um, the customers, you know, having that cloud implementation and having it as a managed service um, is probably something that they would look at. Um, there is other side effects of that, of course, is that many of the customers would have already had implementations in their own hardware and those sorts of things, but. Obviously, in this case, they don't have to buy it. They're just essentially renting the space off the off the cloud provider. But again, is that that then does mean that there are increased um, costs um, and technical aspects of you know network security and things like that to be able to make sure they have a high speed, secure um, connection to the cloud. So, if you think back to when you were doing things in Australia and, and then coming across into into Europe, um, were there any major differences you saw in utilities and the way they operated coming coming you know from the southern hemisphere to the northern hemisphere? No, they're essentially set up very similar in terms of you would have someone operating as a you know a, a hub for all the utility companies in terms of the um, you know the messages that actually go between the utility companies to make sure the you know the market operated in a in a certain way so that way it, it was fairly similar it's just really depending on which country you go to and how mature they are in that um, open uh, market and competitive market as opposed to some places which I think we might have went to maybe Cyprus or something where I think you know there wasn't that competition so I think is that you know where you've gone from state-run utility companies to competitive market that's been that's been the change but in terms of the implementation of the software and things like that and basic implementations fairly much the same across wherever I've been 
Yeah, that's that, 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 it's kind of interesting actually because they talk about the software being agnostic and it's just you know those localizations. But um, yeah, it's good. I was I was talking to one of the people about the fact that um, I mentioned this on a, on another chat, which was that in Australia the idea of the distributed energy side is 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 very good because instead of you having to get electricity out to to somewhere you know that could be you know 500 kilometers away now what you do is you put in solar panels and a big battery and you don't have to worry about looking after all of those poles um have you seen many other changes you know because obviously renewables the big thing at this moment in time water scarcity there's all those type of things out there have you seen have you seen any other examples of that around no, I mean, obviously that's something that's obviously coming to the fore um, recently, and you know, um, especially when we're just doing a recent project in the US again, um, the solar panels and the generators and things like that, and the solar batteries and things like that. That's obviously something which is you know of the more recent, and obviously the, the cost saving that is to the you know the the clients' customers. You know, so it's, and I think as people become more aware of it, and some places are giving incentives to customers to be able to do that. So it's a, it's probably something we're just going to see more and more of. I suspect as the cost of the batteries and the cost of the solar panels come down. But but from a implementation or or, or from the technical side, it doesn't make any difference to you, does it? With the with with the product, where that's coming in. Or does it mean that you have to do much more market messaging or data management? Um, again, realistically, you know, um, if I take the example of, uh, you know, um, my own house, you know, I've got one meter, which basically um, takes care of both readings. That is the, the reading which I'm taking, uh, taking electricity, and then also what I'm actually putting back into the grid and uh, you know, so it's all being done on the same meter. It's just a different, as you say, just different readings and uh, that type of thing. So it's really just another reading that you know, at the highest level, it's just another reading. But obviously, there is from the utility company and the implementation of CCMB and you know other surrounding utility products. It's another, it's another you know thing to be configured in terms of you know. Um, things that have to be done in the field, you know, in the process. But again, is that you go to utility companies and they may have existing products that they use to manage those um, generation products. You know, that's another thing to integrate with. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because this is something that I think the software in some ways CCMB is so far ahead of itself because it's so configurable. So you can have these, you know, what used to be 10 suppliers of electricity, you've now got potentially millions of suppliers of electricity. So it's able to just adapt and, and bring that in quite, quite easily. Do you see that being a, a differentiator, a major differentiator? Or do you think all the other products out there, you know, other products that you've seen, are they able to do something similar to that or is this CCMB's competitive uh, advantage? I think it's a you know it's it's a good it's a good and a bad point because I think is that when you sell the product and you're going to 
you know, pathetic or clients, and you're saying that you know it's configurable and you can get it to do what you want. That's almost a license for those customers, you know, the clients to basically say, "Oh, we'll we we will take advantage of that." Um, so while it may be a good selling point, I think it sometimes maybe it's actually not such a great implementation point because. You know, one of the biggest challenges, I think, in all the projects is is whenever you start to do the implementation is, you know, you always get, you know, the, the clients basically saying, well, this is the way we do it. This is, you know, um, and it's almost like they want to have their old product with a different skin and, you know, pay millions of dollars or pounds basically for the privilege of having, having that new skin instead of basically saying, hey, we've actually got a we've actually got a new product, but we need to work with the product. Because the the knock on effect of of the clients basically trying to do all the customizations is all the cost of maintenance. You know <laughs> you know, when you when you go and buy a new car, you don't say, well, hmm, I want my old car, but <laughs> I just want a different paint job. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you basically you you, basically, you take advantage take advantage of the new car you've purchased. So, and I think that mindset mm. permeates basically through all implementations that we've ever done. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a, it's a good analogy to look at there. So. Have you had a favourite implementation that you've worked on? Um, I think there's been some that are good, and I think it's more that more the people that you actually work with. And I think realistically, you know, the you know, I've, I've done the Australian ones. I did was basically the first one, so it was you know just trying to get used to the product, and then obviously as you get more experience, you you, you have more. But I would say, um, and probably this is because I think that they're probably closer to you know um, you know the sort of the Australian culture in many respects is that the, the two projects I've actually done in Ireland probably have been the best, and probably in particular probably the the, the uh, the Irish water implementation was probably about the, the most enjoyable. You'll mention the fact that it's, as you said, it's about the team of people, and I think that's that's part of it, isn't it? If you can have the A team there, then everything suddenly makes a big difference, doesn't it? Because you know you've got people that you can rely on. Yep. Um, that makes that makes well, I think that makes the biggest difference. Um, so yeah, and that's certainly you know, I was I was saying something there about the fact that you still need to put the good people on the on the on the good projects and you need to put good people on bad projects and you've got good projects and good locations and bad projects and bad locations yeah. um what interestingly you obviously the last contract you were working for me on was during covid yeah. um it was a us based project and you were you were working from home do you see that being the way forward do you see now you know rather than having to go to site um, do you see do you see being remote? Do you see that working more successfully in the future? Do you think we've learned from COVID? Um, not sure. I mean, personally, I prefer to be in the office with people. Um, the 
I think the one of the, the one of the work habits that I think that changed a lot when we did when we were COVID and working from home is uh, when you're working on site. A lot of times when you're trying to hold meetings, is that you know you would book a room. Uh, and then a CEO or something would come along and basically take the room from under you, even even if you struggle to actually get a room. But now people are just so used to scheduling a 10 or a 15 minute meeting and basically just jumping on, you know, MS Teams or Zoom or whatever. And I think that work habit has probably changed whether you're actually going to work from home or in the office because people have got used to the fact that it's so much easier because you don't really need you know an office you just you know you just need um a quiet space and i think when we were working on a project there in um, london there is that they had like these small booths that you could just go into and then so you could you wouldn't be disturbing anyone else but it was much easier to just do that and have a meeting meeting on teams and whatever rather than trying to book big meeting rooms because they became a yeah, sort of night, like a nightmare to to try and book especially when you know you're in parts of the project where you know there was a lot of pressure and everybody was doing reviews and you know workshops and things like that it's 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 you know you obviously need meeting rooms for that because you need the boards and things like that but a lot of times you don't need that sort of stuff you know but you can use the, the software and i think that's a bit of a change but some people like working from home and i can understand why that is it's a lot of flexibility for um for a lot of people you know it means less travel and things like that but I think is that the interaction um, between people um, is very useful, and especially if you've got new people. So how do you learn mm. off people if you're actually um, just meeting on Teams? You don't have that social interaction. You don't you don't have full contact with people, so you can upskill. Yeah. And that's a that's a that's a real concern, especially you know I've got I've got kids who are now just starting work you know I've got some who've been working for a while and and some still in uni and it's it's that you know how do you gain those skills how do you learn that 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 you know ability to work get up early how you meant to dress how you meant to speak you know what what you do I I also hark back to when we'd be on projects and and actually going out for a beer after work became one of the most important things to do because then you would sit down and you would you'd have different people there because you wouldn't have the same people from your team necessarily and so you'd sit there and you go oh yeah i got stuck on that problem and then someone else would go well oh when i was on this project we did this and it might not be someone you'd go to but because you're down the pub you kind of get that 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 mm. uh, yeah a, a different view of things so I don't think there's any software yet that can replicate that. I know we all tried during during COVID to sort of have these, you know, group get-togethers, and it's never quite the same as actually being face to face with someone, is it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, when we were working on some of the projects in uh, Dublin, you know, where mm. everybody had travelled in and were on the site, we were in apartments, and you you could invariably basically be at night time where you know, you would all be sort of having a bit of dinner together or then basically sitting down together at night time 
and invariably the discussion would turn to something that you were working on and trying to nut out, okay, what are the what are the various options for the solution? You know, and then you've got three or four people offering up solutions and things like that. And some of the things that, and then you walked away from work basically saying, well, I'm not too sure how to do this. By the time you've had the, <laughs> the discussion at night, a bit of a meal and a couple of drinks together, you come back in the morning and basically say, right, okay, now we know what we're doing. Mm, yeah, you know, you it is. You, and can't really do that. you can't really do that at home by yourself. No, and that's 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 the difficulty. I mean, one of the things that I think we did very well when we were SPL and then when we moved into Oracle is we had the green bean recruitment where we brought on a whole load of you know newbies and, and trained them up and got them around to different projects and gave them that experience. And, you know, I think that was one of the most successful things that we did. And it's, you know, how do you, how do you replicate that in today's world? Um, and I think that's a very difficult challenge to try and try and sort out because, as you said, you know, do you want to be in the office five days a week because you're trying to train someone up? Probably not. Um, but who's 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 going to do that? You know, is it always someone else's problem, or or do we all do we all accept that one? And and you know, I don't think there's an answer, Paul, unless unless you've got some um, yeah, really good answer for that one. Yeah, a bit of a bit of a difficult um, challenge because. You know, it's hard to administer people remotely. Um, that didn't help. <laughs> we got software for that. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really it's really difficult because you know, um, your the the way that you deliver the projects is is about okay. Yes, the the quality of people you've got, but it's also the relationships they build up so that there can be good open discussions about solutions and and it's more about people willing to help each other, you know, mm. um, and, yeah. Yeah, and also be very open to different solutions and why you would do one solution over, over another, you know, and, and you can't get that if you don't have that interaction between people. No. Very true. And obviously with you, coaching the, the the island touch rugby team you know that would be difficult to do remote wouldn't it you know can you can you can you can you give people training over the uh, over zoom because you must have done some of that during covid um yeah typically we do a lot of uh training and we try and do we basically try and do a lot of stuff online that we couldn't that basically we we do stuff online more educational type things so that when we actually get together we are productive so we would do things on recovery nutrition reviews and things like that so that when we actually did our training camps we would basically be full on for the five hours that we're actually at a training camp and And do you think you can bring some of that experience into business do you think do you think that's transferable in yeah, well, again, the basic, the, the principle. Well, I guess the, the challenge really is, you know, what do you, what do you really need to do, or what, what's the good benefits of the, of the face to face, you know, um, and it's a bit like we talk about, you know, trying to people trying to coach themselves off YouTube videos. Well, that's all very well, except the fact that, you know, if you don't know what you're looking at, it's useless, you know. You have to, you know. Um, I think that's that's a 
bit of the the challenge and you know if you're looking at videos and how to do um you know the basics of say some of the ccmb training courses and things like that they they give you the basics they give you the foundation but they don't actually say you know all the real world scenarios that basically come with experience that you're only really going to pick up from people who are experienced you know it's a bit like us in coaching you're always looking for a mentor you know and that's mm-hmm. what you you really need you've got to have someone with more experience to to lead and help deliver better solutions yeah yeah interesting interesting on the mentor side i have to say because yeah i mean i think i've never worked remotely in the same sense you know there was a long period of time when i was at oracle where i worked from home but i was always at home because i wasn't with a project or i wasn't needed on site or anything like that and but if you want you transfer those skills forward and there was never a case of okay i'm now working remotely so how do you deal with it but i you know i do think there's a there's a change and as you said it's 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 us learning new skills isn't it because we've been so used to being in an office so how, you know how do we make that so that when we are in the office we we put it all together in the right the right way and when we're not in the office we keep that side going it's certainly something i struggle with so yeah. um, i think you can do more away from the office and offline once you've actually built those relationships up mm-hmm. uh, but you know, um, you know it, it's certainly a better way to do it. I think in the last uh, project I did with, um, you know, in Ireland, I was fortunate because most of the people that I was dealing with, I dealt with before, or at least some of them, you know. Um, so that was a big help. Yeah. But then there were other people that I hadn't actually dealt with before. Um, however, you know, it, once you once you build up the relationship, it's okay, you know. But in that scenario, in some of those scenarios, there is that I would have struggled if I had been like a new person coming onto the project. It's okay if you already have been through the, the mill several times, but if you're a new person, you know, trying to be productive and upskill, it's it's difficult. Mm. So, so would you recommend people coming into the CCMB world? You know, what 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 should they do? You know, if they if 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 they want to, you know, make that transition from you know being a being a business analyst to actually being a CCMB person, what what you know, how do you think they should do it now? Um, if you already have the analytical skills and you know the principles and the processes, you know that's that's one thing. Um, the other thing is, again, is you, if, even if you're going to do sort of the, the product courses, you still need somebody that you can go to to ask um, real questions. Um, and I think, you know, most of the projects that they have, you know, there'll be a, there'll be a lead. You know, you'll divide the work into various streams and there'll be a lead. But you, that person often, is quite busy, but you know, um, you know, people will put you in workshops and things like that. Where you'll sort of basically leverage knowledge and pick up knowledge basically from the workshops and things like that. So again, it's just having access to people with more experience and just just soaking up the soaking it up. And I think uh, no matter who you've got working for you, the key thing is the fact is that you know that it's getting people with the right attitude. 
more so than anything else. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you see that in sports as well, don't you? People with the right attitude can always can always go further than people with some of the, the physical attributes. So, so what what would you say yeah. to a young Paul Brown? You know, what 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 do you wish you'd known twenty years before you learnt it? <laughs> well, that's the question, isn't it? You you don't know the questions to ask because you just simply don't know. And I and I suppose that's the that's the product. That's the challenge. I mean, you know, the utilities market you know is a, is a specialist area um but it's certainly an, an interesting one and can take people to various locations um the one thing is there's no there's no real um impediment for someone to travel to various countries to um to do projects and i think that's actually you know a good aspect of basically being in the industry and with utilities, you know, that, um, you know, I mean, I've worked in, you know, Australia and South Africa and, you know, various places in Europe and even not physically in the US, but worked on US projects, you know, so, you know, so I think it's that, you know, there is the opportunity if people actually want to, you know, to travel, you know, um, then, if you can do the job, you know, you could basically work anywhere in the world if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah, and that used to be part of, uh, we used to say this in SBL terms, um, you can only ever work for the company if you weren't born in the country in which you were living because, you know, I go back to the London office and, and you know, you had South Africans, you had Kiwis, you had Aussies, you had Canadians, you had Americans, Filipino, um Indians it was just yeah it was it was a right uh, right mixing pot of people and I always found that was uh, yeah a, a fantastic thing to have um, certainly certainly never experienced anything like it before or actually since yeah I think when I first came over the the, the project here in uh, I worked in Northern Ireland there wasn't actually any locals on the project yeah. at all and as you say from all over the place yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, and people just get on with each other. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But that's that's uh, that 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 was part of the sort of nature of us, wasn't it? You know, with the sort of get on, which is also what you're going to do with the customer side, isn't it? So um, there we yeah. are. All right. Well, look, thanks, Paul. I appreciate your time. Um, you know, I would say good luck with your retirement, but I know that you're not going to be sitting still. Um, I know the touch rugby and 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 the stuff you're doing there is uh, is is pretty impressive. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sure that's. Do you, to, do you want to tell us a little bit about the sort of touch rugby stuff that you're doing? Um, yeah, so the training I, and courses. Yeah, well, I, I first started with it in 1975, so I still do it. Uh, I've just reached my 100th coaching cap for Ireland at the last European Championships. Congrats! Uh, that's impressive. Uh, bit of, uh, plus playing coaches, so it's always a like like anything in IT. It's a continuous learning experience, and you're always trying to look for you know, way to improve your things and uh, things like that. And again, just keep seeking out experts. You know, we deal with, uh, you know, higher level coaches, you know, sports scientists, nutritionists, physios and things like that. So, you know, just like in our projects, you know, you're looking for good DBAs, you're looking for people who are experts in their in their field to try and actually just uh, get a better outcome, you know. So, you know, process-wise, you know, it's... Uh, same thing, different skin. 
Well, there we are. Well, look, yeah, I was going to say, you never know. You might be called up for the England job on the real, on the, on the, on the, on the full contact, but we'll see what happens over the next couple of months with the, with the Rugby World Cup. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll have a few conversations, but look, thanks, Paul. Appreciate your time. And, um, I'll look forward to speaking to you again at some point. Okay. Pleasure, Chris. Thanks very much. Cheers. 